Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. I don't know, maybe many of us have different experiences with fathers, um, but we all have a heavenly father. And just to know that he carries us in his arms um, just brings a lot of comfort and joy to that. So be encouraged with that verse. You guys finished a little sooner than I thought with your whole greeting thing. So it's Father's Day. You guys seem really pumped about that. Woo, Father's Day. Now typically on, uh, at branches, if it's Veterans Day or Mother's Day or Father's Day or uh, International Surf Day, whatever it is, we typically ignore all of those. Um, not because we're against any of them, but because we figure you know, when we're gathering, let's always make it, um, let's always draw our attention to Christ and, and the holidays and these seasons are beautiful. However, today we are going to talk about deaths, but in a way um, that I've never heard before, in a way that I've uh, never taught before, but because of everything that's happened in my life over the past few weeks, this whole new perspective hit. Like right now I should be teaching, like we had, I had all the sermons planned and um, I was supposed to teach on something last week and I was supposed to teach on something before then and something this Sunday all related with the book of Acts. And yet when God um, jumps in and does something, you just kind of scrap whatever you thought was cool and you throw it to the side and you give him whatever he wants. And so um, I feel like he's put some stuff in my heart um, that I needed to learn, and I'm still processing, but I feel confident enough that the authority is from him to share with y'all. So, um, but for that reason, because I don't have ultimate confidence in myself, I want to pray. So let's pray. Father, uh, I ask that the message that you put on my heart, that you've um, been working in my life, that uh, you carried on to completion. And I ask that this morning, that you meet us each where we're at and show us what it means to be all there before you surrendered. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you're visiting, um, to give you a little bit of background, uh, I was uh, June 2nd. I think it was June 2nd. I think it was a, it was a Monday, so whatever that Monday was. Um, I had this like breathing thing. So I'm struggling with these health things and uh, I had this tightness of breath. I tried to make a doctor's appointment. Oh, we can fit you in in July. It's like, yeah, that's not really gonna work. They go, well, you should probably go to the emergency room. Now, I've never, other than breaking arms and cuts and lacerations, never gone to the emergency room. You just go there in case, because once you go there, you know you're locked in, right? Like you're there for 15 straight hours and then you get to go in and see a nurse. So I went in early Monday morning. Um, I scheduled my emergency room appointment. I went in early, and they, you know, running some tests. And while I'm in there, then they go, oh, we're going to admit you. What? Like, I've only seen that in movies. Like, you know, I didn't know that that actually really happened to me. And so I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you have something, you have pneumonia or something, and so you've got to stay. I'm like, overnight? And so I'm like ready to leave, and Steph, my wife's there, she's like, 
oh, you're staying. And so, okay, so then next thing you know, you're standing around. And so I'm there. And um, I thought it was, you know, I was going to, I had appointments. I thought I was going to be back after noon. Uh, I was there nine days. They just, they decided, hey, since you're here, we're going to run all these tests. And so it was a lot longer and, and, you know, a roller coaster of all kinds of stuff. Prognosis is really good. They're treating me with all this stuff for lung infection. But it's a long road. I just, that's, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You have your own battles. This is my battle. But in that process, about halfway through or so, uh, I'm in, uh, I got my own room in the beginning. Uh, and I'm in the room and um, my cell phone rings and it's my dad. So I pick it up and my wife looks at me and she goes, you're, she's whispering from outside, so you're going to tell him you're here, right? And I was like, no. And then I just kept talking to him. And so we got off the phone, and he didn't know I was in the hospital. We're not super close. For those of part of Branches, you've heard some of the stories. Um, he's a good man. Uh, he's gone through a lot in his life, and we've gone through a lot and all that. But it just, it just didn't, it just seemed weird to go, hey, Dad, this is what's going on with me, because we just don't have that kind of relationship. But that, the rest of the time that I was there, because like I said, this was towards the beginning of the stay, Towards the rest of the time after that, it just kind of haunted me. I'm like, what is it? Why didn't I tell him? I mean, I wasn't trying to keep it from him. I wasn't trying to punish him. It just didn't seem natural, and I didn't have this desire to. And, and I was like, what is wrong? What is wrong with me? What's wrong with this picture? Because that's what you feel, right? Well, I must be doing something wrong, because that's what we usually do. We blame ourselves, guilt, and all those things. So I'm processing through this, and... And then I realized by the end of the week that it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with this. That what I needed most, and at that moment that was the focus, was get healthy, was I needed my heavenly father. It's not a strike against my dad. Like I said, he's a good man. But what, I, what became clear was is that, that I needed more than anything my heavenly father. That was my focus. And what I want to talk about this morning, which almost seems like the anti-Father's Day message, <laughs> but it's not. What I want us to focus on is, is, what is, what does it mean to have a father? Like, who's your father? Because what I've noticed is that for example, when I do counseling and, and um, when I'm working with people, it always comes up about daddy issues, right? Because we have these expectations that we place on dads. In fact, when I meet with young men that are to be dads or even young men that are thinking about getting married, they are absolutely petrified of being dads. Petrified. Because they don't want to mess it up. Because every son thinks that their dad has messed it up to some degree. Even for those sons that honor and really respect their dad, and their dads are their heroes, they're going to have what our society calls daddy issues. Right? When I'm um, doing weddings, and I see a, a, a girl being walked down, I always have to work ahead of time going, so who's going to walk you down? Because you just don't know what's gone down. You don't know what that girl's had to go through. You don't know what kind of relationship she has 
with her dad. And that relationship that she has with her dad is so powerful that you have to process through that. Um, I'll work with marriages and, and you'll see the, the influence of the dad is so powerful. And what I want to say this morning is we've made it too powerful. We have placed expectations on fathers that are unrealistic. We have placed expectations for us as fathers that are unrealistic. Listen to what Blaise Pascal said. Um, Blaise said this. He said, there's Blaise, like he's my buddy. Blaise said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. Now, I would want to change that a little bit. And since Blaise and I are close enough, I think he'd be cool with it. There is a heavenly father-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. And vacuum meaning there's an opening, and a vacuum uh, means that it, it has to be filled. Like you can't just leave. It's not like a space. It's a vacuum, and something's going to get sucked into it because there is a space that needs to be filled. And so regardless, that space is going to be filled, but that space was created in each of us to have God. And yet we try to fill it with other things. And we've talked about all the other things, but for this morning, I'd like to say that too often we try to fill it with our ideal of what our earthly dad should be. And then we put all this pressure and all this blame and all of this these unrealistic expectations on something that was never meant to be. Because there is a heavenly father-shaped vacuum that can't be filled by any other created thing but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus. And during this week, that has never become clearer to me. And I want to take us on a journey through that. And there's so much I want to share to the point where um, you're probably getting nervous going, oh, he's going to go long. He's going to go long. And oh, I can go long. But I won't this morning. Um, but I want you to open up to Luke chapter 11. So if you could um, open up to Luke chapter 11. And we are going to um, allow Jesus to reorient us, to, to um, illuminate us on how should we view our heavenly father. So we're here in Luke chapter 11, and um, the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. T teach us how, and prayer is talking to God. How are we supposed to interact with God? How are we supposed to talk, listen? How are we supposed to do this? I mean, John's disciples taught him, so teach us, just like he taught them, how do we approach God? How, do we, how does this work? I mean, in fact, Jesus at this point here in Luke 11 is just coming back from praying. He's gone off as it was his, his habit, his ritual, his discipline to go away and be alone with his heavenly father. And so they said, hey, since you just did this, it's kind of made us think. Come back and teach us. How, what does this look like? And Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then you, you know most of the disciples' prayer after that. 
But we're just going to focus on the one word, Father. And I won't give you a language study in that, um, but that is a reference. That's not just Father. Like, I don't think any, does anyone ever call their father, Father? Raise your hand. Does anybody call their father, Father? Is Max Siraj here, by the way? Max, what do you call your dad? Bubba. Bubba. That's right. I couldn't remember what that was. And, and for what language is that? Farsi. How cool is that? <laughs> so, Max never goes, oh, father. He calls him Bubba. Okay? In this language, in Aramaic, this is in Greek, but in, in the tradition here, what Jesus is doing as he's teaching his disciples to pray, he says, when you approach God, the creator, you don't need to come up to him, and although it's translated in English, Father, the word there that would be understood by all of them is Abba. Because that would be the, um, the Farsi equivalent of Bubba. That is when you run into the room, and you're three years old, and you see your daddy, you go, Abba. It just flows off, doesn't it? In fact, I think that dads helped originate a lot of language, so they'd make sure that the first word that their kids said would be theirs. So they make it so easy that you could just say it, Abba. For us in English, it's daddy. Spanish, papa. Like, just flows off the tongue, right? But no, mom, you gotta like figure that one out, right? But the importance here is that in the beginning of all interaction with our Heavenly Father, we start with Daddy. Have you ever heard anybody pray? We say, let's pray, and they go, Daddy. I've heard them say it, and it always throws me off my game. And I've tried to do it myself, and it just feels like, am I allowed to do this? Is this okay? Because that relationship with God, that seems abnormal to us. And yet, Jesus makes it very clear, this is how you should do this. That word daddy, that word Abba especially, what I want us to focus on, if it's easier for you to use Bubba, put that in your mind. But I want to put it in, in practical terms because when we see a child with their dad, we are seeing a reflection, just a reflection a beautiful reflection, but an imperfect reflection of the ultimate relationship between a child and their father, their Abba. And um, uh, John Tisdale and I are, are uh, parents, and we are flexible parents, which means we get to go pick up our kids because we can move things around in our schedule. And so we get to go to the school and pick up our kids from school. And when we do, we get to see other dads that get to pick up their kids. It's, it's, infrequent because typically it's usually moms but we get to see dads and kids interact and as I get to see this picture I get to see this beautiful picture of just the naturalness of of this shape we talk about this vacuum shape hole right and yet there's this natural relationship between a child and their dad a child just knows how to act towards their dad but yet we don't know how to act towards our heavenly father so as I share with you these little pictures that I get to see at my kid's school, their elementary school, I want you to picture that in the bigger picture of your relationship and other people's relationship with their Heavenly Father. Shouldn't it look more like this? Shouldn't it have this kind of comfort, this carefreeness? So for example, uh, when you walk into the class, you'll see certain kids just shooting out 
and they'll have all these papers in their hands, you know, papers that they did or whatever they accomplished. And they'll run out and they'll come to their dad and they're like, look! They don't even say hi. They don't, it's just like, boom, like, hey, I'm in. You're my dad. I can do whatever I want. And they just race up to that, look what I did, yay! And they'll show it off and you just see the dads interacting with them. But it's that, that joy that they have to share what they've accomplished. And they're not embarrassed about it. They don't feel like, oh, am I bragging, dad? Is this okay? No, they're like, yeah, look at what I did. And they're looking for their dad's response back, for them to cheer them on. All too often, uh, we'll go to pick up our kids and they go, daddy, 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 will you go get me this? Go get me this. Because everybody seems to sell stuff at schools now. And so like, oh, there's hats for sale over there or uh, these, they sell these smoothie ice things and the lines like out, you know, around the school. Hey, let's go get that. You're going to get that for me, right, daddy? You're going to get that. And it's like, uh, yeah, of course I am because I'm a great daddy. And I always say no and JT always says yes. But it's that understanding that they have that they want to come and ask. And they will just keep asking. And they have no shyness of it because that's their daddy. That's what a child does. Or they want, to, they want something. They want to be with somebody else. And they want, hey, I, I talked to Billy and he wants a play date. And, and they just start going through the process. And it really doesn't matter what you want or that you had other plans. Like they want to be with their friend when they want to be with their friend. That's what they need. That's what they need right then. Or it's just one of those bad days at school. And when they see you, you just see their face. And they just want you to get them out of there as quickly as you can. Or they're crying. You've got to comfort them. Because that's what children do with daddies. None of those kids, I haven't seen it happen yet, when they go to pick them up are very formal. Because we often think, oh, well, with God, we better be formal. But why isn't a child that way with their dad? Father, I thank you for arriving today. <laughs> I know that your schedule is very busy and you, you're a very important person. And yet you took time out to come with your vehicular chariot and acquire me to take me and care for my needs. You, oh dad, are so gracious in my life. Never heard that. And yet we approach our heavenly father that way as if he's not our dad, as if he's not our Abba. And so Jesus here is trying to direct us to say, look, this is how you should interact with your heavenly father. This is how it should look. This is the starting point. It's the very, it, it, it transforms everything after that. So when you say, holy is your name, it is different when you've called him Abba, right? Daddy, holy is your name. It just sounds different rather than father, holy is your name. And I share that because there's this intimacy that we've lost with our Heavenly Father that is never meant to be lost because it's the starting point for our health. It's the starting point for the job that God has given you to do here on earth. For you to be set free to love people completely, you need to know what it is to be loved completely. And if we keep looking to everything else but Him, First, we will fall short. The reality is, is, is in, in the pastoral role that I'm in and, and, and in this, this world of, of caring for others that so many of you are involved in, 
Um, depression is so strong. And, and my favorite de- definition that I stole from my friend is that depression is the gap between expectations and reality. Depression is the gap between expectations and reality. And we have placed expectations on fathers that God never intended to be there. And for those of us as fathers, pre-fathers, some post-fathers, there's this, this guilt that we place on ourselves going, I was supposed to do this and I didn't accomplish this. Or I'm supposed to do this and I know I can never accomplish that. Those are expectations that God never intended for you to take on because you were never intended to take his place. And we were never intended to put anybody else into God's throne, the throne of our heart. He is the only one that was meant to occupy that space. And Jesus himself, the son of God, in his darkest moment here on earth, when he was at the cross, right, right as, as, as he sees the cross before him, he, the night that he was betrayed, he, he's at that point where he's like, I gotta go pray. And he takes his buddies with him, because you can't pray alone. It was that bad. And he takes the guys, hey, you go pray over there, and I'm going to go pray over here. Pray for me. And this is what he says as he's praying. If you go to the next slide. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus in his moment, just broke, literally broke. And the sincerity of a healthy, perfect relationship is defined there for us. Daddy, everything is possible for you. Because he said that to the only person where that could be said true of. My kids could never say that about me. And I have to be completely comfortable with that. They can never look at me and go, hey, Dad, everything's possible with you. I'm like, where did you get that from? In fact, when I got out of the hospital and um, I was with them and I, I was praying over them. We were praying and, and I said, Father, more than anything, I want my children to know you as their daddy. Lord, thank you for the privilege and the honor you've given me to care for them and love for them and This is a gift beyond all that I could understand. But ultimately, Lord, if I love them, what I want more than anything is for them to know you as their daddy. Because all things are possible through you. You are the one that needs to give them real guidance. You are the one that needs to give them counsel, discipline. You're the one that needs to meet them in their greatest moments. And Lord, whenever you can use me, I want to be there. But what they need is you over me. And that's hard to say, but I mean it because it's true. Everything is possible for him. Everything. And so as I'm wrestling through this and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, I've realized for myself, I've got to put our, my earthly dad and my heavenly father in their proper place. And you have to do the same thing. You have to make a decision. Who are you really going to depend on? 
Because too often, so many of us are still blaming our dads for something. We're holding them to an expectation that they were never supposed to live up to. They're just people like us. Now, I want to make sure you hear me clearly here. God has made it clear that this relationship, this earthly dad relationship, is an honored one. It is meant to be held up high. It is meant to be honored. A day like today is a beautiful day, a Father's Day, where we honor our fathers. We just have to be careful, and this is what I want to make sure we hear this morning, that we don't put our dads in place of God and expect from them what they could never provide. They were never intended to. This earthly relationship with our, with our earthly fathers is a beautiful reflection. I have learned more about my heavenly father by being a dad and by reflecting on my relationship with my earthly dad because it's turned me towards this true relationship that Jesus teaches and models for us. And yet, so many of us are trapped by this untruth. I love it in John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is such a beautiful thing to be set free by truth and for things to fit where they're supposed to fit. So I'm in the hospital, and um, I'm, I'm wrestling and, and going through this and thinking through because I've never thought of it this way. But it all came to a point. Because when I got off the phone, that's not when I came to this understanding. So it got to the point where it got real bad. You know, where you're in there long enough and they start scaring you with certain things and they start telling you things and the next day everything's good and the next day it's really bad. And then um, it reached a point where uh, they ended up having to do this surgery, which was not the plan when I showed up at the emergency room. Um, and it was a ridiculously painful one. And so uh, I, they had the surgery, then that night I wake up, and then they go, okay, we're gonna, you're going to be moved to another room. Well, I didn't realize I was going to be walking to that room. I don't know what happened. There was, I mean, it's a hospital. There's all kinds of emergencies, and I'm like, I, I, I'm all, I can do this, and so, which was stupid. So I'm on the fourth floor, and I'm like walking, and I got you know, all this stuff, and I'm carrying my stuff. I got a backpack, and I'm following the nurse. And I'm going from the fourth floor to the third floor. I'm like, is this really happening? I've never seen this in TV shows before. Don't they usually move you around? And so I'm in the elevator, and people are, I can see this isn't normal because the other nurses are looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, and so they walk me down, and then I go, and I'm, I was pampered before with my own room and all this. Well, then I go into this one section where it's, it's just not that way. And there's multiple people in a room, and the windows are open, and people are coughing, and it's like, I'm in, the, I'm in the, the, the much older area of the hospital, we'll say it that way. <laughs> and um, people are walking around, and there's no gowns, clothes behind. Everybody's like, I don't care. You know, it's, it's 75, 80 plus, and, and nobody wants to talk. And I'm like, whoa. And I've heard these stories. And so it reached that point where I felt... When I say dark, I mean, it was definitely dark in the room, but it felt dark. Like, I'm like, I really am a breath of vapor. And um, it was a surprise they were moving me, so there's no family or friends, and family and friends were, had been coming and visiting. And, and so I'm sitting there, and it was probably the lowest point. And my wife is um, going through this amazing book uh, 
called Before Amen. I think I got the title right. If I didn't, it's by Max Lucado. And it's about how to pray. And she goes, you have to read chapter two. And so I just opened up my Kindle and I opened up to chapter two and I'm in the bed and there's coffee and the guy next to me doesn't want to talk to me. And, and I just start reading and he shares this picture that I want to share with you this morning. He, he, he has a daughter and she was 13 at this point and he and his wife had come to see her recital. So she's up on a stage, big stage, and they're in a theater at the school and she's doing a recital thing. So she comes out and she's got it nailed. She knows it inside and out. She's the oldest, so she's the overachiever. And so she's on the piano and she's just crushing it. She's, it's beautiful. But then she hits that spot where she forgets, she freezes up. I mean, she knows it, but she freezes. And the dad and the mom are like, because <gasps> they know what she's going through. They don't really care how good she does. They just know, uh-oh, what is she going through right now? And they're out like several rows back. They're in the middle. They're trapped. And besides, even if they're in the front, what are you going to do, run up on stage and embarrass your daughter? Like she has to go through this on her own. And yet their love for parents, they're just like, you can do this. You got this. You got this. They can't yell it, um, but they're just, they're whispering it. They're holding each other's hands. And she's frozen. She's like, ding, ding, bong, ding, dong. And then slowly it starts to come back to her. And she makes it through the piece. But the damage has been done. She's broken. And so she doesn't get up with a big smile. They can just tell by looking at her face. She needs them now. And so she gets up and she just starts beelining to get off the stage. Well, they've already gotten up. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. They're pushing their way through because they want to get there on time. And so they make it around and they arrive pretty close to the same time in the backstage. And when she comes up, she's, she's walking, she's got her head down and she looks up and she sees her dad. And when she sees her dad, she just comes up to him. She doesn't even put her arm around him. She just puts her arms together and just drops in. And this is all she said. Oh, Daddy. And she just buries her head in there. And I read that in the hospital. And I just lost it. Because that's what I needed. And my dad's a good man. My mom's a good mom. I've got a great wife and great kids. But there is no human being on this planet that could fill what I was going through at that moment. And I would have never known that if I hadn't gone through this. When you're going through your trials and your persecutions and, you, and you're like, your sufferings and you're like, God, why? In that moment, I was like, oh, I would have never understood this unless I went through this. I would never really know what it is to drop my head into you and completely trust you like I am right now. Like, I sat there crying because I, really, I, just, I was talking out loud, and I got Chester, who's next to me, with just a curtain between us, and I'm like, Daddy, you know I need you more than anything. I'm, I need you. It was not, oh, Father. It was Daddy. You are my Daddy, and I, and I trust you. You could talk about trust. We can sing about trust. We can t- I, my verse for that whole week was in Isaiah 40. Trust in the Lord, and he will renew your strength. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. I can say that. I can memorize that. I can teach that. But it's a whole other thing to go through it. 
And at that moment, I got to experience that. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. And that's what brought me home to want to pray that for my children because I want that for them. I want that for us. For us to know that not only in your pain, but in your joys and your celebrations, in your moments of guidance, like, Lord, should I do this or should I not do this? Daddy, what do you say? Like, that is perfection. And I want us to be set free. Listen to what um, Paul says as he's trying to communicate to these, these, this little church in Galatia. If you go to the Galatians passage. He says, it's because you are his sons, because you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. God provides that for you. He's the one that sends that so that you can have a right relationship with your father, a right relationship where you feel completely comfortable praying out loud to yourself, however you want to do it, in front of others, Daddy. He sends that spirit into us so that we can say, Daddy. Father, and then I love this added on because I've never seen this in this context before until this time. And, and two, two verses later, he says, because formerly when you did not know God, now that doesn't mean you weren't a believer, but you didn't know the fullness of God. You didn't know God how he was. Much like me in the hospital, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what it means to really look to your heavenly father as your daddy. Formerly when you did not know God fully, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Is there a human being, maybe it's your daddy, maybe it's your mommy, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children. Is there something else that you're a slave to that by nature is not God? You need to be set free from that. Because the beauty is now, now I'm set free to have a really good relationship with my dad when he's placed in his proper place. My children will have the opportunity to have a better relationship with me when I understand my place and when they grow to understand my place versus their heavenly father's place. Because we, I want so much for you to know what it is to experience the full, unconditional, reckless love of your heavenly daddy, of your Abba. When you know that, everything gets set right.